Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Sidekick, How are you? wingman. I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. All right. Well, good. You're looking good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Happy uh, Happy New Year to you. You too. Thank you. Yeah. I know where this is going. Do you? I do. <laughs> you know, people think like, wait, did I get the calendar wrong? Did I tear yeah. off too many pages? Yeah. Why are we talking about the new year? And Boy, that was a long nap. It was a <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin or whatever his name is. Here already. Wink, Rip, Rip Van Winkle. That's the guy, not that's Rumpelstiltskin. It. I get all my, uh, you know, little. Uh, that's right. Yeah, those uh, little guy, Irish guys or whatever. I get them all mixed up. Uh, yes. And he's not even. Never mind. That the fairy stupid. tales. Those things. That's what I meant to wrong, say. Wrong, wrong path. That's why you are here. Keep you straight. To keep me on uh, the straight and narrow. You're doing a fine job. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm following you. So where are we going? Come on, man. Boss We're going to talk about the liturgical new year. Exactly right. It's so be fun. So many folks think that uh, they just, I guess maybe we don't. And I remember as a as a younger Catholic, mm-hmm. I wasn't so much a good Catholic back then. And I just didn't pay attention to things. Yeah. And every once in a while, you know, the guy up there in the dress at the front, you know, would be yeah. wearing like a, a white green. dress or a green dress. Red, and being purple. facetious, I didn't even know what a chasuble was. Right. Nor would I know what a deacon was and a dalmatic. I wouldn't know what these things are, but I would just notice that every once in a while they were wearing green and sometimes Different they colors. were wearing white and sometimes they were wearing red. And You know, I didn't really think about it. Rose. There's rose. There is rose. Yeah. We all know that to be pink, but we just we say rose because we're supposed to say rose. Right. But the point is, I didn't understand all of that. Mm-hmm. And so... It really, I think once you stop and sort of uh, smell the roses, <laughs> to, hey, that's to good. tie that together, You're good. B- but once you start to look at this, you start going, hey, this is pretty cool. It is cool. So what we're talking about today is a liturgical year. And the, it begins. Well, it, it, it just starts with. First day of Advent. First day of Advent. Right, so Advent Sunday. kicks off the new liturgical year. So cool stuff. Yeah, so happy new liturgical year. Thank you. You too. Uh, you know, in this or the the advent of a new year. Oh, that's well played. Right, and so we see uh, ad, advent from the Latin adventus. You know, coming. It's what's coming up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Advent's a good time for us to talk, talk about what is the liturgical year and why do we have a liturgical year. Good questions. Yeah, so uh, we could just uh, tune out now and leave everybody hanging, <laughs> or we could start talking about. Well, let's. You know, I like. You know, I, I teach, and when I talk and help people understand things, I teach and talk in a way that I understand. So That makes perfect sense. Real you, street people stuff, real layman stuff. I'm not... It's real dumbed down. Exactly. Extremely. That's why I like you, man. Dumb you dumb it down for me. So, you know, I was like, what is the significance? I always like to answer the question, why? Why? Because why, if, you, if, you, if you can answer the question, why, then you understand the big picture of things. That's true. Like, why do we baptize? Why do we believe Jesus is present in the Eucharist? Why do you confess your sins to a priest? All these things, if you understand the why, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter about where this is in Scripture and where uh, that is in the early church fathers and all those things. But when you see the big picture and you understand why, then it's really easier than to investigate and, and get a deeper Meaning that comes to us from the scriptures and comes to us from the church fathers and comes to us in our in our church tradition, but that simple question of why eludes so many people because 
we all just sat down to a Thanksgiving dinner. I hope yours was as good as ours. It was. Uh, and, um, and you know, people ask questions like, why do you worship those statues? You know, and if, right. and if you if you don't know the why or the why not, mm-hmm. the conversation kind of ends. Or it goes into an area of, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been at like at a football game and people start saying things like uh, two, three, and one, <laughs> three? <laughs> That's an inside joke yeah. with us. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when people start talking about things they don't know what they're talking about and it's start irritating. saying things. And it's even funnier when a guy does it and he's talking to his wife or girlfriend. Showing off. And trying to explain to her this stuff. And you're sitting there and two seats clueless. away going, you're an idiot. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> you know? And and I don't want to call people idiots, but sometimes we will certainly we will certainly describe why the church does something in error. <laughs> right. And say it with authority. People go, oh, okay. That sounds like that's good enough for me, you know, and they'll move on. And we really haven't done anybody a service. So answering the question why is important. It is. So what is the significance of the liturgical year? Good so question. So let's, let's think big picture. Um, I like to use this image when I talk about the liturgical year. Okay. And that is the Golden Gate Bridge. We all know that beautiful uh, uh, Golden Gate suspension bridge. Should be interesting when this ends up. No, it's 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 just, it makes perfect sense. But I don't know if you know this fact about the, the Golden Gate Bridge, but... They start painting the Golden Gate Bridge, obviously, on one end. Yes. Uh, and they move throughout the year, painting the Golden Gate Bridge to the other end. Okay. And literally, by the time they get to the other end, it's taken them long enough that they have to go back to the other side and start painting again. Oh, So wow. it's a continual, ongoing process. I mean, there's some spaces where they're not painting, but the reality is, it's like when you finish... Uh, just give it a couple of days. We're going to have to start over again. Okay. It's like this repetitive process, you know, yeah. because the, the elements, nature and the elements kind of wear down the paint. It's time for a fresh coat of paint on a regular cyclical basis right. with the with the Golden Gate Bridge. And so it's a good way of looking at the liturgical year. Okay. We go through the year, and, and by the time over. the years that we start over. Right. And if you think about that for a second, it's not so crazy because it kind of fits in with already with things like birthdays and anniversaries it does why, why every year do you have to have a birthday i mean some people would rather not have a birthday or at least be you know know what the number happens to be right but we all like to get that present every year sure right wives and husbands both like to celebrate an anniversary of their yep. wedding yep. every year um Guys, don't forget those things. Um, I, I, by the way, sage advice. I got married on the day after my birthday. <laughs> I was born on January first, and my I, I got married on January second. That's genius. Yeah, so I don't ever forget. That's genius. It's like it's just I can't forget. Did you do that on purpose? Um, n- no. Well, you know, you're in hindsight, I, th- I think I did, but maybe. <laughs> uh, but it's nice. So if you're going to pick a wedding date, <laughs> right. pick it on a day when you're never going to forget. There you go. Let's get married on Christmas. You know, <laughs> and it's like we'll never forget. But anyway, um, we like to be reminded of those happy events, and we also even remember those sad events in our life, don't we? That's true. You're right. I mean. Family members that have passed away. You remember those dates? We that date is special to you, and You're you. Right. And it's interesting because you might think, "Why do I have to keep remembering this? Why do I have to keep?" And some people might look at that as negative, like living in the past. But the reality is, I think our past informs our present. It yeah. makes our present more relevant and more meaningful, and also it informs and affects what happens in the future. That's true. And so it's important for us always to remember our, our every year. Right, our birthday, our our anniversary date, 
the date of someone's death or even, you know, in the, the nation, you know, the signing of the Declaration of, the, of Independence or... or uh, we remember those days. Right, VE Day, VJ Day, D-Day, all these different, yeah. these moments in history that are important. And you might think, why do we do that? And the reality is, it's because we need to be reminded. That's right. Right, we go into, you know, day-to-day business and we forget things. Yeah. But sometimes it's nice to stop and reflect. How did I get here? Yeah. And so remembering that in a liturgical year fashion for the church is the same way that we remember these dates every year. And and after you've done a we had a whale of a Christmas, it was an awesome Christmas. We'll never do that again. It's like it doesn't make sense every year about that time you start going. I, I, I sense that that longing for understanding what it is our church teaches and why. Right. And it rallies around these moments in time. Mm-hmm. And we repeat those things. And again, What's so cool about our Catholic faith is we've talked several times, Tom, about how our faith um, is is just uh, emboldened or uh, wrapped around not only our sort of spiritual side, but our physical side. Right. Right. Mind and body, soul and body, right. spirit and body, the physical united mm-hmm. into one with uh, we're, we're together. Our body and soul are united together as one. Right. Right. And so it's it's logical that if we want to inform the soul, we can utilize the body to do that. Right. If we want to inform the body, we can utilize the soul to do that. So feeding the soul feeds the body. Feeding the body feeds the soul. Mm-hmm. Good things, you know, do good things for the body and the soul, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you look at the world, the created world, you look at nature. Mm-hmm. And it informs our spirit. It informs us who we are as Catholics. And if you stop and think about it, you know, nature's already got this sort of cyclical thing all figured out. Yeah. I mean, she it's, does. You're right. The, you know, it's getting darker. Right. The lights, you know, the, the sun doesn't last as long in the daytime. It gets colder. Yep. And we all know intrinsically and physically that winter times are coming. That's right. Right? And and when we're kids, Santa's coming. We this is, You know, the same thing. But the point is, it changes... Our, our our physical um, our physical experience informs our, our our spirit and our soul. Right. Right. And we live that way, and we can know God in nature. That's right. Remember, at the end of every day of creation, what did God say? It is good. It is good. Right. And so creation is good, and so we can know God in creation, and and creation can help us to know Him better, but it also can inform us, and it can and and so we. We worship with our physicality, with our bodies. All these things are connected. And so what does nature do? Nature is cyclical, right? It's all about the rotation around the sun mm-hmm. and the seasons that we have. Well, again, the church lives There's in that. harmony with, with nature. It's neat stuff. Isn't it awesome how, it really is. I mean, if you stop and think about it, we follow natural law as a church. It is a law that we live by. Mm-hmm. How we interact as human beings, our human sexuality, uh, what we do with our bodies and how we, we utilize our bodies is important because it has to be in harmony with nature mm-hmm. because God is the author of nature. That's right. Right. So God's law is natural law is God's law. I mean, it's just important for us to understand that. And so the liturgical year is a way to actually live that. Mm-hmm. And just the same way that we have spring, which leads into summer Summer, which leads into fall, fall, which leads into winter, and then it repeats itself over and over again. We've got a liturgical year mm-hmm. that is structured in a way that has these um, these sort of pinnacle high points in them, and then everything leads up to and flows from those high points. That's right. 
you know, and it's kind of neat to see that 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 structure um, and how it's laid out uh, to let you know that it's not just all random. That's that's you're exactly right. That's right? the neatest thing about it. And so, uh, how is that not random? Well, we're going to talk about that. Awesome. Uh, we got more to talk about about the the seasons of liturgy Can't wait. Uh, when we get back. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home: got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Remember to put the V on there. And also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Send it to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Just imagine what it would have been like to sit at the feet of one of the twelve and hear the gospel proclaimed firsthand from someone who saw, touched, walked, and talked with the Lord Jesus himself. This is just what St. Polycarp did as a student of St. John, the last of the beloved apostles to die. St. Polycarp was Bishop of Smyrna and a very holy man. As a member of the second generation of church leaders, he faced many new challenges, challenges even the original twelve apostles did not face. There were many early heresies, challenges to the truth of Christ and the authority of the church. But above all, St. Polycarp was a man of God, and he faced these challenges head-on his entire life. He was a beacon of truth for the early church, the heretic Marcion, who taught error about the nature, existence, and relationship of good and evil, matter and spirit, challenged St. Polycarp, demanding he recognize his heretical sect. Recognize us, Polycarp, he demanded. St. Polycarp responded, I recognize you, yes, I recognize the son of Satan. St. Polycarp was to give his life in service to the church, just as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A very early document, The Martyrdom of Polycarp, tells the heroic story of his death. When in his 80s, St. Polycarp was arrested, He was offered the opportunity to save his own life if he would simply swear his allegiance to Caesar. To this request, St. Polycarp answered, If you imagine that I will swear by Caesar, you do not know who I am. Let me tell you plainly, I am a Christian. It was ordered that St. Polycarp be burned at the stake. As the fire was lit, witnesses heard a long and beautiful prayer uttered from the mouth of the saint. In part, they heard, Lord God Almighty, I bless you for having made me worthy of this day and this hour. I bless you because I may have a part, along with the martyrs, in the chalice of your Christ. As St. Polycarp said amen, his captors stoked the fire. But it is reported that the fire did not burn him. It miraculously formed an arch around him, causing him to resemble what the martyrdom document says was gold and silver glowing in a furnace they finally had to stab him to death. St. Polycarp's feast day is February 23rd. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. Sitting here with Tom Dorian, and we're talking sure. about the, the liturgical, liturgical year. year and why that's significant. A lot of people would think, like, this is boring. Who cares? But it's really cool how all this stuff is intertwined. It can be boring, but if you really get into it, just the fact that it's not random 
is so awesome. I love that aspect. Of yeah, it. Uh, you you uh, you point out one fact about like John the Baptist, June the twenty fourth. Right, it's, it's, it's feast day of his nativity. Right, right, his birthday. He's one of the rare saints though that's two feast not days. married. He gets two. He gets one for his birth and then one for his death. Right, and I love the old school way of saying it, the beheading of John the Baptist. Right, you know, <laughs> so it's a pretty uh, neat. But his birth is celebrated. Nativity of John the Baptist is June, June the twenty fourth. So what's the significance? His, of well, that? the significance is he's the guy that was announcing Christ. That's right, as the Messiah. And so here he is on June the twenty fourth, the longest day of the year, yeah. announcing the Christ. And the the days begin to recede or get shorter from that point forward. Right, the sun until right, December decreases. the twenty fourth. Exactly. Yeah, that's just neat. And December the twenty fourth is the incarnation. So right. John the Baptist, his feast day is six months before the incarnation. Right. The the feast of the incarnation, the nativity of, of of Jesus. Right. Right. And so it's like, and and what you say about we were just talking about nature and how our. Our, our 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 feast days, right. our church, our liturgical year. It all lines up. All lines up. And people think, like, isn't that like astrology and all that stuff and predicting stuff with the star? It's like, no. No, it's not. It's living in harmony. That's right. Right? Not abusing nature and not right. letting nature become the God, but right. letting nature inform us of God. That's right. And living in harmony with that nature and how beautiful that is. So you, you rightly point out that it's the longest day of the year. Right. Right? At that point in time and then and then it begins to decrease and what does john the baptist say i must decrease decrease. so that he may increase Increase. right he and so and so as as the s-u-n decreases the The s-o-n increases increases. right as you get closer to christmas exactly so it's just really neat to see the connection there's another neat one that a lot of people don't recognize uh, is that of course the incarnation December twenty fifth that uh, the the feast of the nativity right, right? Uh, how beautiful that is Christmas Day is mm-hmm. December twenty fifth we celebrate that well nine months prior to that March the twenty fifth is the Annunciation there you go right? so the church didn't randomly just pick March the twenty fifth and say well here's a good day we ain't doing anything on that day let's go ahead and pick the twenty fifth right. of March to be the Annunciation it's that way because again if you look at you know in, Nine months. I know technically it's like thirty-six weeks or whatever. I, you know, pregnancy. But the point is, it all lo- lines up. You it's look not at random. Nine, pretty much nine months after the Annunciation, there's a baby Boom. born. There you go. And there's a connection between that again, seeing between nature and also between our worship and our our faith. And how many times have we talked about uh, our the sacraments, how they utilize something in nature, mm-hmm. right? Matter, and then the form or the spirit the, that that enlivens uh, the sacramental aspect of the of the sacrament and, and is essentially God's divine life, his, his very presence, grace that comes to us in the sacraments. Mm-hmm. We have something like water in baptism. And then when it's done in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit, you know, name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, you see that as um, the, the proper form in which it's done. And so there's a connection between the physicality and the spirituality and it makes the reality of the grace that comes to that's us. Right. And that's really cool to see all that stuff and to know that and how the liturgical year follows that. Totally agree. We've talked about their sort of like, uh, you know how like every good mall has like a couple of anchor stores, they call them. Like there's a there's like JCPenney on one end and Sears on the other end or whatever. And they're really big malls. Dillard's, have or, Dillard's in the middle, you know, yeah. sort of the trinity of stores. But uh, it, <laughs> bad comparison. Don't write in. Say, where are you going with this, man? <laughs> No, I am going to say, though, that our our 
uh, liturgical year really does have, have some anchor points. Right. Right. So there's a, a great anchor point. We all know if you say, hey, what's your favorite holiday to a kid? What are they going to say? Christmas. They say Christmas. Unless they're old enough to impress their parents, they'll say, it's Easter. Oh, the yeah. day of the resurrection. You yeah. know, it's like, you now you can be more cr- presents at Christmas. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> I got it right. Exactly right. But <laughs> but the point is, they're, they're right in that uh, Christmas is one of these high points. Yeah. Right. So the incarnation, you know, God takes on flesh. Mm-hmm. Right. And then... The resurrection, the purpose of, of Jesus, the purpose of the resurrection, no, sorry, the purpose of the incarnation, one of the many benefits of the incarnation, we'll say it that way rather than the purpose, is that he would be able to die for us. That's right. So that he could rise from the dead on his own power and authority, overcoming death, overcoming all sin, and essentially open the gates of heaven for us That's because right. of what happens at Easter time. And so you see the two great anchors of uh, the liturgical year being Christmas, Christmas and Easter, and Easter mm-hmm. right? So we have that Christmas season. So the liturgical year has seasons, just like there's um, you know, summer and there's winter. There's Christmas and there's the Easter season. Right. And I don't want to get into all the lengths and all those things, but the point is there's two big seasons there. And each one of those really joyous and beautiful seasons mm-hmm. is sort of prepared for. Right. There's two, two, two different times of preparation right. one for each one of those seasons. So Advent and Lent. Exactly right. So Advent, which is the beginning of the new liturgical year. Mm-hmm. So we prepare for the year with Advent. But immediately we're, we're preparing for the coming of Christ. Not only the coming of Christ's child at Christmas, mm-hmm. but also the second coming of Christ at the end of time when he comes in judgment. Right. Right. Of the world. And, and, and all the time stops and judgment takes place and it's heaven or hell, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Advent is that preparation season right. that takes place before the Christmas season. And in the same way for Easter, to prepare for Easter, that's yeah, beautiful season, we have the Lenten season. Mm-hmm. And both of those seasons are times of, of, of longing, of awaiting, of preparing, of introspection. Uh, right? So they're, they're, they're austere, sacred, um, solemn times where we prepare for the, the, the joyous mysteries to come, right? right? So the, the incarnation or the, uh, the resurrection, the, the, well, the paschal mystery, the suffering, death, resurrection of Jesus that we see um, in, in, in the East, at, at Eastertide. And so we start to recognize that we prepare for those great feasts, just like we prepare in our homes for a great dinner or whatever, right? You, you've got to prepare for those things. So those are the anchors, and then the preparation for each one of those anchors or, or peak seasons, if you will. But then there's also seasons in between, mm-hmm. right? And that's the ordinary time. Right. Now, a lot, of, a lot of Catholics make the mistake of saying, oh, that's just plain time. It's ordinary. Right. There's nothing special about it. These are still solemnities. These Sundays during ordinary time are still solemnities. They're mm-hmm. still feast days. They're, they're moments of great solemnity and dignity and importance in the church. But they're not ordinary in terms of plain. Mm-hmm. That's not where it comes from. It's actually ordin- instead of ordinary, they're ordinal. Like if you heard of the uh, uh, an ordinal number, you're essentially counting. Right. So what are you counting? You're counting to Christmas, mm-hmm. and you're counting to Easter. Right. And you're counting from Easter, so everything flows to Easter and flows from Easter. Right. right. So all the the sacraments, the preparation to the sacraments, and what happens at Easter time, the mysteries, and then it all flows from the the power and the authority and the grace and the divine life, the resurrection, all that stuff flows 
into ordinal time counting to Christmas, and we do it all over again. Right. Right, to be reminded uh, of those moments of grace in our life. And again, if you look at all these times, it's really just sort of rest stops and food stops on the way, on the journey of life. We need to be reminded. That's right. We need to come back to those things. That's right. Um, and so it's important for us to see that, that structure. But then also what's really cool is peppered in with all of those those big anchors, right? Mm-hmm. Those big peak moments mm-hmm. and the preparation for them all through the ordinary, but also in many of those different seasons, there are individual feast days for individual saints right. and events that happened in the church. That's right. And what's so cool about that is it just, it shows us, uh, well, we talked about John the Baptist, I was say, right? Like John the Baptist, the annunciation, mm-hmm. you know, the, these, these people and these events, they're, they, they're, they're descriptive of the Christian lifestyle. We, we have saints that we can exemplify, that we can, uh, or that exemplify us to us a, a way to live. They, they become right. models of right. behavior for us. We can be inspired by the things that they went through, etc. So it's important for us to see um, in those feast days opportunities for learning and growing and becoming a better Christian by modeling ourselves after these particular saints that we celebrate and ask for their intercession along the way. That's so right. again, the, the, the liturgical year is something that it, it gives us so many opportunities on so many fronts. That's right. And again, to re- reiterate, it's not random. Everything, I mean, typically the saints feast days fall on the day in which they were martyred or that they went to be with the Lord, the, their, their birthday of the rest day of their the rest of their life. Right. So hopefully we have time for this question, and that yep. is, so how does Scripture fit in all that? So Scripture kind of follows those feast days to a degree. So I'm going to play dumb, Tom. I okay. don't know. I'll play with you. Please. Uh, yeah, you, you like that, <laughs> don't you? Answer that question. I know you already know the answer. No, I just know there are certain readings from Scripture that fit with each feast day along right. the way. We tend to read the same things every right. time we go to Mass on right. those particular feast days. They they enliven the feast, don't they? Right. Right. Either readings about that person and what they did. So you see that Scripture is tied together right. with the liturgical year and how beautiful that is. So anyway, we have this new big liturgical year to celebrate. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy new liturgical year. The question is, are you going to make a New Year's resolution? Yes. A new liturgical year's resolution. Easy what are you going to do say. different? Yes. How are you going to grow? How are you going to be more spiritual? Right? Amen. How are you going to connect to your church, your faith? I suggest that maybe we connect with Mary, Amen. our mother. Amen. And let's ask her to intercede on our behalf. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of, of God, God, pray, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holley, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe 
serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.